We're looking forward to the next three or four weeks of wrapping up the school year and looking ahead into the summer. What does God have for my summer? Do I come back next semester? What's next on the plan uh, for my life? What does God have for my next step? Well, Psalm chapter 143 is one, uh, is one of my favorite chapters in the Word of God, and I think it'll be a help to us this morning. I really do look at tonight, uh, this morning, rather, not necessarily as a preaching time. Uh, this is not going to be something that you probably learn something brand new. You're probably going to be very accustomed to what I'm going to say this morning. And I really look at this morning as more of a devotional rather than a preaching time. But I hope it will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. We've already prayed, so we're going to dive in here. What's today's objective of why I would come into chapel? Now, for me, I love to throw darts. I, I, I didn't bring my dartboard with me this morning, but I enjoy a target. Targets are helpful as they give us direction. They help us to stay on point. It keeps us pointed in a direction that we feel would be uh, valuable, something that would give us something to look forward to. Targets are helpful in life. Goals. I work well off of goals and different targets. If you came up to my office, I would show you a young, uh, young adult ministry target where I start with the bullseye, leading and teaching and winning others to Christ, and that would be the bullseye. Any week of my life that I hit the bullseye and lead a young adult to Christ and get to teach them the Word of God, that's a good week. And then it goes out to developing the team and uh, developing activities and a culture and an atmosphere. I work well off of having targets and goals. Well, if we were to have a target or a goal this morning for today's lesson, as I'm really looking at this as a devotional, today's objective would be to love and enjoy God by following His perfect plan for our lives. And is that not what we want? We want to love and enjoy God by following the perfect plan that He has already determined for our lives. Now, we're going to take a moment this morning and read all 12 verses of chapter 143 uh, here in the book of Psalms. So if you have a copy of God's Word there, you can remain seated this morning and you can follow along as I start with verse 1. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness, and enter not into judgment with thy servant. For in thy sight shall no man living be justified." For the enemy have, hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Verse 4, Therefore in my spirit overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all my works. I muse on the works of, my, of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land, Selah. Hear me speedily, O Lord, my spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do thy will. For thou art my God. 
Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. For thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. And of thy mercy, cut off mine enemies. And destroy all them that afflict my soul. For I am thy servant. Dr. Burt, if you were to give us one word today that would define the culture. Now, I'm not just simply saying Gen Z. I'm not saying just millennials. But the culture as a whole, one word, what word would you give the culture today? Selfish. Selfish. Okay, I could, I could certainly see that. Brother Troy, if you were to give one word to define the culture, Brother Smithy, I'm coming to you next, so be ready. <laughs> I might even call on one of you, so we'll see here. What would you say, Brother Troy? A word to help define the culture. Tolerant. Tolerant. Selfish. Brother, Brother Smithy. Expectant. Expectant. Okay. Luke, right here in the center section. How about you? Put you on the spot here. What would you say? One word to help define the culture that we're in right now. Ignorant? Ignorant? Okay. Let's see over here. Anna, all the way in the back there. One word. Searching. All of those are great words. The word that I have down here in front of me is not any of these, although they're very prevalent in the culture in which we live today, but mine is distracted. Distracted. Now, obviously, you have to focus on, well, what would we define as, what is the focus? Now, you and I would know today that our focus today is to love and enjoy God and follow the perfect plan that he has for our life. Somebody once said that while driving through the city of Los Angeles, like I did yesterday, as I had to go down to LAX for an airport trip, Somebody once said that as they're driving through the city of Los Angeles, they felt as if they were driving through a giant dictionary. Words everywhere, sounds everywhere saying, read me, give me your attention, buy me, take me, drink me, smell me, touch me. And he said, after driving through the city, I wanted out of that city because it was so empty and devoid of God. Now, I love my two girls. I have a picture here of my two girls of Jane and Paisley. Jane is three. We'll turn four here in a couple of weeks, and Paisley is two. But I'll just tell you this right now. It doesn't take a whole lot to distract these two. Uh, I can easily distract them with a made-up magic trick, or if I need 90 seconds of quiet time, I can easily distract them with a snack, or obviously sometimes, as you no doubt have maybe done with a, maybe a younger sibling or a, uh, like a nephew or someone that would be a little bit younger, you can pull a, a rock out of their ear and distract them by simply giving them a sleight of hand or some type of deception. Distraction. And oftentimes, you and I can become very distracted. Part of our culture today is so easily flustered and uh, back in about 2004, the term FOMO, as no doubt many of us are accustomed to, the fear of missing out entered the scene, and it can cause us to have anxiety, it can cause us to be anxious in our spirits, and it can cause us to be distracted from the most 
needful thing in our lives. We're going to study this in just a second here from Psalm 143. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn over just briefly to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Like I said, today's going to be a little bit different, more of a talk, more of a devotional rather than a preaching time. But here we see a reminder of the chief end of man, the, uh, the whole duty of man. Verse number 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, to fear God and to keep his commandments. Now, the goal here is Christ-likeness. The goal here is to love and enjoy God by following the perfect plan that he has for our life. But for instance, think about right now, just this week, classes, projects, relationships, work, finances, maybe some relational issues back home, maybe some family issues, health. There's different things that can come into our life that can cause us to get distracted. But ultimately, the goal, the purpose is to know God, to love God, to enjoy God, to follow the perfect plan that he has for our lives. So today, I want to take just a few moments and show you three points that I hope will be an encouragement to you as we try to move from the distracted to the divine direction that God wants to set into our lives. We're going to begin here from moving from complexity to simplicity. Moving from complexity to simplicity. Now, I have a few items here this morning that are very, very simple. For instance, like a nightlight. A nightlight doesn't necessarily have to have any type of instructions to come with it. It's pretty simple to understand. All you have to do is plug it into the wall. Same idea with like a light bulb. There's no need for instructions. All you have to do is figure out how to simply screw it into where the light bulbs go. For instance, sticky tack. Sticky tack is like the easiest thing ever. All you have to do is, well, stick it wherever you need it to be stuck and stick whatever you need to stick onto the wall or to your car dashboard or wherever you would use sticky tack. There's some things that are very simple. And God doesn't necessarily want you to live in complexity, but rather to have a simplistic type of mind. Now, for instance, there are things that are complex. Like, for instance, my wife's Pioneer Woman cookbook. Now, for me, this is incredibly complex. Uh, you do not want me in the kitchen. You want me out by the grill. I can grill. All you got to do is throw the meat on the grill. It's simple. It's pretty easy. And just wait until it hits about medium rare and your steak is ready to go. But for a cookbook, you've got cookies in here. You've got casseroles in here. You've got all sorts of things for me that just don't make sense. How about this one? Life. Life has a way to get complex, does it not? It has a way to distract us very, very easily, does it not? Now, for instance, I wish, I wish life was just kind of like, okay, just plug it in and, okay, it's done. It's easy. It's just like a, a, a switch on the wall that you simply flick. But no, life has a way, just like for me, like cooking, that's just not going to work out too well. Life certainly can be complex. Life certainly has challenges, and when these start to mount up, a life that is littered with these trivial, uh, trivial items seems 
that the simple devotion to our maker seems like a wistful luxury you can never afford. But now I think it's some time for some spring cleaning. Notice here in Psalm chapter 143 and verse number 3, in the life of David. I love the life of David because it applies to our lives in so many areas. But notice this in verse 3. Notice the complexity. The enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life. Verse 4. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. For instance, like uh, the men that are going through orals, overwhelmed. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of study. David here in this passage, if you were to study all the context, was losing hope. He was caught in the fear that was paralyzing his faith. But notice his response here in verse 5. I remember the days of old. You ever take time just to remember what God has done in the past? To remember how God has helped you in the past? Now, this is rhetorical. Don't answer out loud. But there in your mind, go on a spiritual pilgrimage with me and remember the day that you got saved. Do you remember that day? For me, it was relatively uh, recent in the sense of uh, if you know my story. But can you remember that day when you trusted Christ? Can you remember the day that you discovered prayer and how it was fresh and new? Can you remember when sharing Jesus Christ was the highlight of the week? And many of you have that spirit that, uh, man, I got to share Jesus today. This was just awesome. Can you remember when the Bible was like uh, a book that you just wanted to devour rather than just the textbook that many of your classes use it? Now, I get it. The, the classroom is vital, and we use this book to study, and to, we need the knowledge, but it's so much more than that. Do you remember when you used to treat this book like a love letter? Now, in the midst of complexity and discouragement, David here is remembering when it was fresh. There in verse 5, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. Let me ask you rhetorically this morning, when did you become so distracted? Oh, I've just got so many things going on. I've got my projects. I've got my family. I've got my, my job. I've got my finances. My school bill's coming up. I, uh, I don't even know what I'm going to do this. And we, we become overwhelmed. We distract ourselves from the thing that is so needful. What stands in the way from moving from complexity to simplicity? We'll just follow the train of thought with me this morning as we share this devotional and try to get some application here in just a moment. But think with me concerning some sources of mind clutter. You and I are guilty at, all, at times of saying yes to far too many things. Yes to far too many things. Now, many of us can't say no because we don't have a greater yes burning inside of us. Many of us say yes to everything because we don't know how to say no. Now, your no to others will soon translate into a yes for God. We are busier than we need to be. Let me move on here where there's many sources of mind clutter. Most of us do not plan time for leisure and for rejuvenation and simply just waiting and resting in the Lord. Oftentimes we go, go, go to the next thing and we don't pause long enough to remember that, you know what, I'm not just a human doing, doing so much, but I'm a human being and taking time 
and spending time with the Lord. Most of us rarely experience the joy of accomplishment. Obviously, the, the, the book of Proverbs has many of these principles. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul and taking time to celebrate the wins that God sends our way. We just hop into the next thing. Some people in America, they live on, uh, they, they way outlive their wages and they have too much to pay back. The average Gen Z, when this study was done, was already nearly $11,000 in debt. And for some, it's a, a lot higher than that. But we're overwhelmed with debt. Most of us foolishly think that electronics are saving us more time when in reality they cost us more time. Sources of mind clutter. We need and we must learn to simplify. Somebody once said, our life is frittered away by detail. Simplify, simplify. Take a copy of God's word. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, in the life of David, he had much going on. People were per persecuting him. He was discouraged. He was near depression. He had lost hope. But then he took time to remember what the Lord had done in his life. He remembered the days of old. If we're not careful, we can become so overwhelmed. We can get so distracted that we forget that the most needful thing in life is to do life with Christ. Here, we must learn to simplify. Notice this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 2. Paul says, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Verse 3, But I fear. I fear that you're going to get distracted. This is what he says here. Lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, so your minds should be distracted, corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now take note of Paul's concern. This man was, this was a man's man. This was not just some weakling. This, as you've studied the life of Paul, this was the Apostle Paul being fearful that we as Christians would be corrupted from the simplicity, that we would become overwhelmed and anxious from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, Paul here, by way of an illustration, likens himself to a matchmaker in having promised a pure bride to her groom, and the apostle wanted nothing more than for his master to be pleased. Did you notice that there in verses 2 through 4? He says that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ, but I fear that you're getting distracted. So your minds that would be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now a groom, as you approach the day that you're going to get married, wants nothing more than the assurance of beginning an intimate life with his, with his bride with his chase and his, his virgin, his bride-to-be. He wants confidence to know that there's no other flames out there. Could you imagine? Okay, my wedding day. Good thing Gloria's not here because I'm having to think. Was July the 15th of 2017. Could you imagine if I, got, uh, if I flew back to Virginia, we're just about to get married, and Gloria comes to me and says, Jacob, I know we're only about five days away from the wedding, but I've been thinking about that one guy back in high school. 
I would say, are you kidding me? We're like five days away from getting, no, you need to put that flame out. What's going on? That would, that would discourage me. That would overwhelm me. I mean, what do you, well, Paul was saying, I, I want to present you as a chaste version of Christ. I don't want you to become overwhelmed or distracted. Notice this as it says here in verse 3. It says here just as if you think of like a nail that would be left outside, it would erode and get rusty over time. It has the same idea of a silent and slow and subtle way of drifting away from Christ. Look at that in verse 3. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The fact is this morning, and sometimes we won't look at it this way, that distraction is a sin. Distraction. Now, sometimes we can be distracted by good things, but it keeps us from the best and needful thing. Here, Paul's even using the illustration here in Corinthians, be careful that your mind wouldn't leave the simplicity that is in Christ. The message of Christianity is quickly becoming a system of enlightened thinking instead of the simple call to turn from sin and pursue a relationship with God. Oftentimes we can make it more complex than what we really need. Turn back to Psalm chapter 143, our key text here today. As we're studying the life of David just briefly, there's so much that I could say, but I must move on quickly here and I'm going to skip over some of my notes. But Psalm 143, you can see the complexity here in verses 3 and 4. And then in verse 5, how he responds. But notice the simplicity of David here in verse 6. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. Pretty simple. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. Verse number 7. Hear me speedily, O Lord, my spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, moving from complexity to simplicity. But notice number two here as we look at verse eight, increasing our intentionality with our intimacy. Now, if we want the divine direction, we're going to love God, we're going to enjoy God, we're going to follow the perfect plan that He has for our life. Oftentimes, an overthinker as myself can complicate that. We can think, well, what exactly does that look like? And we'll start trying to figure it out. Rather than just focusing on knowing God and loving God, we, come, we, we make it more complex than it needs to be. Where David here gives us a beautiful example. Man, when I'm overwhelmed, verse 4, when my spirit is overwhelmed, I take time just to remember who God is. And I stretch forth to you. I need the Lord. But then notice the intimacy here that David has in verse number 8. Now, verse 8 tells us, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Now, at times in our lives, at least it is for me this way sometimes, we can begin to feel that God is distant from us. If you picture the mountains, that would be to the south of us here I love uh, hiking up in the mountains, but they are miles away from us, a good 50 to 60 miles away if you want to go up to Wrightwood or near the Pacific Crest Trail. I love the mountains. I love hiking in the mountains. I have some pictures of uh, my family when we enjoy heading up to the mountains. That's the view there from Grassy Hollow, and no doubt many of you as a college student have hiked Grassy Hollow, but I love getting up into 
the mountains. How sad it would simply be to simply just observe the mountains from here. If you go to the next picture here, it's a picture of my family and going out and enjoying life together. We enjoy hitting the trail. We enjoy experiencing what those mountains not look like from a distance, but rather we enjoy walking on those trails and exploring and heading off the trails and picking flowers and pine cones and all sorts of things. You know, our walk with the Lord can sometimes feel distanced, can it? We can be reading the Word of God and we, and we can think, why do you seem so distanced away from me? But it doesn't have to be like, like my family. We'll, we'll go up maybe in a few weeks once the snow melts and we'll start hiking those trails again. We'll, we will thoroughly enjoy that. But that's, that's in a few weeks. My walk with God should not be in a few weeks. It should be a constant uh, it should be a constant thing that I'm involved with. Here, David had a great pattern of being intentional with his intimacy with the Lord. Notice that in verse number 8. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness. Now, oftentimes, I will take my wife on a date. We drown out the noise. Now, this past Monday, it was a little bit hard because March Madness we were at a restaurant, and it was a terrible seat for me to be in because right behind her was the championship game. And I think at one time I said, wow, that was awesome. I mean, you, honey. I mean, I was, I was talking about you, Gloria. And she's like, okay, get over it. But uh, we enjoy some fun. But we, we, we like to go on dates periodically because we're in a relationship. We do life together. David, in the midst of his complexity, moved to simplicity by being reminded, God, you're so good. I remember the days of old, the, the works that you've done, the works of your hands, I muse on them. I just ponder them. You're amazing. Verse 6, I stretch forth my hands. That's pretty simple. No instructions necessary, just like it would be for a, a nightlight. You just, it's pretty easy. I stretch forth to the Lord. But now he's being intentional with his intimacy. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto you. Now, you got to grab a hold of this. Intimacy with God results in Christ-likeness. This intimacy with God brings us a greater understanding of who he is and what he has done for us. Now, don't think for a moment that your environment makes us deep. Well, here we are in chapel. Here we are in classes. Here we are in room devotions. Here we are in dorm devotions. Oh, we got Fresh Encounter tonight. Oh, then we've got Sunday school at night. And then we've also got Sunday morning and Sunday night. We were around God's word all of the time on this campus. But just because you sit in a garage overnight doesn't make you a car. You have to get into the word of God yourself. Sitting in this great environment doesn't make you necessarily deep. And David here was getting intentional with his intimacy. He said, calls me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. He was in a relationship with the Lord. Now I'm going to review over, I'm going to actually skip over a good number of my points under this and go to the next one here. I think it'll be a help to us. Intimacy with God requires action. It's not just intentional it's not just the, it's going to result in Christ's likeness, but it requires action. Take your Bible and turn over to 1 uh, Timothy, rather, in chapter number 4. 1 uh, Timothy chapter number 4. 
So how does one become more intimate with God? How do we go from complexity to simplicity? Well, I hope you're following the track here, the pattern here of it's, it's really in, revolved around this book here. But Paul gives us a beautiful picture here in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And if you study the context, it says there in verse number 5, it deals sharply with apostasy. But then it turns the corner into verse number 7, refusing profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Make sure that your target is to love and enjoy God and follow the perfect plan that he has for your life. Verse 8, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. The word discipline really fits right next to the word intimacy. Discipline. You know, I wish it was easy for us just to say, oh, I got saved and now it's just natural for me to just read for hours in the Word of God and to hand out invitations to Easter and then to disciple people and to love people. And, but it's not just natural for, for us to do the right thing. Somebody once said, no one on earth has ever automatically been godly. No one, ever. And the word discipline here really fits right next to the word intimacy. We know the verse, verse 8, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. So does that mean that we're just going to start floating around with little halos around us and thinking, well, it's just, I'm just godly now because I've trusted Christ? No, no, no. It's an intentional step that we must take. Godliness won't just happen. Grab a hold of this quote. It is easy to get religious instead of becoming godly. It really is. It is easy to get religious instead of becoming godly. We tend to tag on oftentimes to our social media post or maybe on a text message or maybe as we're saying bye to a roommate or to a friend, God bless you, or maybe have some type of religious slogan there. But often we would have to say, if we're to be honest and transparent with ourselves, or maybe this lesson was just for me this morning as this has been speaking to me, that oftentimes we would have to say, if in an honest way, I'm stagnant and I have been that way longer than what I would want to admit. Where are you this morning on this journey? Complexity to simplicity. Where are you when it comes to your intentional acts of, you know, of being intentional with your walk with the Lord and being intimate with him. But notice number three here, and we're going to wrap up pretty quickly here, directing our desires towards the divine. Now, we're back to our main text, Psalm chapter 143, where David has been giving us this picture of being overwhelmed. There in verse number four, he says, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. I don't know exactly what you're going through right now. I don't know all of your names. I know many of you, but I don't know all of you. What, what is it that's maybe so complex that you just, I, have no, I just want to get out of this week. I just want to get out of this month. I just want out of here. It's too hard. You know, God wants to help you here. He wants you to remember that it's not supposed to be so complex, but if you just turn to him, he can turn it into something pretty simple remembering what he's done in the past, but then stretching forth and really looking to him for your help. 
But then we've noticed here the pattern and example of the intentional intimacy that David had with God. But then number three, directing our desires towards the divine. Now, somebody has put it this way very simply. There are three days that are vital to your life. Obviously, one, the day that you were born. Two, the day that you got saved. And three, the day you figured out why God placed you here on planet Earth. Now, obviously, uh, Lord willing, all, both, uh, all of us have had at least the first two, okay? Obviously, we've been born, and my prayer would be that all of us would be saved. But there might be a one-year Bible here like I was back just five or six years ago that had no idea what the next step was. And I made it way too complex, and I wasn't as intimate intentionally with God as I needed to be. Well, let me encourage you here to discover the why behind why God placed you here on planet Earth. It's not too hard. He wants you to love him and enjoy him. And the only way that takes place is by following the perfect plan that he has ordained for your life. Notice verse number 10 here. As David says, teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Now, what do you value the most in life? I've got some silly pictures here. David Morgan, he owns the, the world's largest, you can put this, uh, this picture up there, the world's largest variety of traffic cones because you needed to know. David Morgan, uh, he values traffic cones. How about Mike Fountain? He has 75,000 pieces of McDonald's memorabilia. Uh, occupies 7,000 square feet in his home. I just want to know how big his house is if he has 7,000 square feet of McDonald's memorabilia. How, what do you value? Uh, here's uh, one, Manfred Rothstein. He has uh, 675 different types of back scratchers. Why in the world? I have no idea, but he does. Now this one, it is a fuzzy picture on purpose, no doubt, because it's disgusting. But Barry Chapel, with the world's largest, already been chewed gum. You can go to the next picture here. He valued the nicotine gum that got him off of smoking. The good news is, is that he doesn't smoke anymore. The bad news is he has this giant ball of already been chewed gum there in his house. 95,200 pieces of nicotine gum. Please go to the next picture here. <laughs> what do you value? You know, oftentimes it is sad when a valuable life like yours and your, your life is so, so valuable. Don't think for a second, well, I could never be like David. I could never be like Charles Spurgeon. I could never be like Amy Carmichael, or I could never be like Mrs. Chapel or Pastor Chapel or, or, or one of your leaders here in the classroom. I could, no, 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 no. God didn't make you to be that person. God made you to be you, and God wants to use your life. He wants you to love, he, he wants you to love him and to enjoy him and Enjoy the perfect plan that he has specifically for your life. But we overcomplicate things, don't we? We get overwhelmed. Let me encourage you to follow the pattern of David here. Be reminded of the good old days. To muse over the works that God has done in the past. But then to stretch forth to him. Ask him to help you in verse Eight, to cause me to hear thy loving kindness. Be intimate with the Lord, but then to direct 
your life towards the divine. How sad it is when valuable lives don't discover the why behind God creating you. Now, the Word of God is our map. Now, back uh, about 100 years ago, Lord Archie Carnivan asked uh, Dr. Howard Carter this question. Do you see anything? Now, you can throw up the picture here. They were discovering and trying to discover King Tut's tomb. And after six years of searching, can you imagine? Six years of nonstop searching, all they found was mazes of trenches, tons of rocks, and mounds of worthless debris. You know, the Bible says very simply, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasure. If you go to the next picture here, we would know that just days later, on November the 4th of 19, uh, 1922, Lord Archie Carnivan discovered King Tut's tomb. We won't go over all the details of this tomb, but it had the value of nearly $30 million. Could you imagine going on this treasure hunt and finally finding what you've been looking for? Well, we've got something so much more valuable in the Word of God. This is the road map. This is the treasure map that leads us to the treasure. And then in verse 5 of Proverbs chapter 2, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Could you imagine the words that were used on November the 4th of 1922 there in King Tut's tomb? Wow. Amazing. Unbelievable. We're rich. And those are the exact same words that we should use when we open up the Word of God. Amazing, rich, this is unbelievable. Oftentimes, we're very good at making our lives way too complex. And if we're not careful, we can stay there. I'm glad that we had a pattern to follow this morning in David's life. David didn't stay in the complexity. Rather, he moved to the simplicity by reminding himself, I've got God. I'm going to stretch forth to God. I'm going to increase my intentionality and my intimacy with God. I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to do life with God. I'm not just going to observe the mountain. I'm going to hike the trails on that mountain. I'm going to observe up close. And then lastly, he directed his life towards the, the divine. Did you see that in verse 10? Teach me your will. You oftentimes are asking, as probably I was way too much in college, what is God's will? How do we determine? How do we find that? Friend, this is the map. This is the treasure right here. There are a large percentage of young adults that accept the terms and conditions before reading them. Are you one of them? How many of you set up your iPhone and it asked you, do you agree to the terms and conditions? And it's like uh, 95,000 pages of uh, just things that they're going to start tracking and following you. And you say, oh, I don't want to read that. I agree. Do not treat the word of God that way. Oh, I'm just, oh, sure. I, I agree. I mean, it's the word of God. I, I go to college. No, 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 no. It's so much more than that. Dive into the scriptures this week. Why would I even say that to you? You're in Bible college. You're studying it all the time. 
Because even people like myself or Dr. Berg or Brother Smithy or Brother Choi or the Weavers or Dr. Crab or Anna or anybody here, we all need this to be reminded. I'm going to move from complexity to simplicity by increasing my intentionality with being intimate with God. And ultimately, the target here is not to just simply enjoy life the way I want to enjoy it because you're not going to find it that way. But I'm going to love God. I'm going to enjoy God. And I'm going to direct my attention towards the divine and letting him lead my life.